Welcome to the Well and Witchy Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Epley, and I'm an eclectic witch, wellness and mindset coach, healer, and spiritual mentor. If you're looking to fearlessly rise up and be the woman you were destined to be and live your best life with both wellness and spiritual flows, then you are in the right place. Think of this podcast as your go-to for all things magic, inspiration, and empowerment. I'll be spilling the tea about witchcraft, spell work, spirituality, intuitive wellness, self-love, and much more. Leave it to me to help provide you with the tools and resources to unlock the inner goddess and power within you, hone your sacred craft, and live life in a more meaningful and magical way. I am so grateful that our paths have crossed today and you are here. Thank you so much for pushing play. Now let's do this, witches. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Well and Witchy podcast. I am super stoked to have you here with me today and our incredible guest, Rebecca Anuin. We met last year, right before the holiday time, and I actually had the um, I had the amazing experience to be on her podcast as well. So, I would really like to warmly welcome Rebecca Anuin to the Well and Witchy podcast. She is just incredibly inspiring to me, to say the least. She is a modern day witch, author, priestess, and kinesiologist. Rebecca teaches you to trust your intuition and to use your magic to create real change in your life. She is head witch at the Witch Academy, the place to take your magic and life to the next level. And Rebecca also runs the Re-Enchant Your Life podcast, which I was lucky enough to be on myself that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Rebecca loves to work with women who are ready to break free of limitations and societal expectations so they can express themselves fully and joyously in a way that's meaningful to them. Rebecca is also the creator of Shiro's Journey. Shiro's Journey is a path dedicated to remembering your true power and potential as you unapologetically embrace all of your perfectly imperfect self. Rebecca has a knack, or rather two decades of experience, of showing people how they can re-enchant their lives as they remember and embody their own blend of magic. How freaking beautiful. Like, when I said earlier, Rebecca inspires me, like, that's to say the least, like, if you are a baby witch or if you are just starting your path, like this is another episode that you will definitely learn from. Rebecca has been a witch since birth. Let's just put it that way. She is incredibly knowing and wise and has been through it and has experienced things. Um, and that's why I am so grateful to have her on today's episode because she really does bring in the knowledge and the tea, if you would like to say. And we just had a lot of fun. So I want you to sit back, turn it up, have fun with us, and enjoy the episode. We're going to be talking about witchy identity, Rebecca's path, her work with the Welsh goddess Caridwyn, who actually makes a surprise entrance to this episode. Like, just wait for it. You will be as just as shocked as I was. And we also talk more about Rebecca's work and how you can get involved. I also wanted to quickly mention that today on the podcast and moving forward, we're going to be having something new called a small business spotlight. So of course I have guests on the podcast and really give them the platform to talk about their craft, their path, whatever really inspires them and the messages that that they think the world needs to hear, yes. But I also would love to start highlighting some smaller businesses through 
podcast sponsorships. So we have our very first sponsorship today. I'm so excited for you guys to hear more about her. That clip is actually in the middle of the podcast, so you have to you have to listen to hear it. But I will say she is an incredible jewelry maker. Um, I became friends with her last year also and we just really clicked and she sent me over some beautiful and stunning pieces for me to wear and I'm blessed and I want to make sure I shout her out just briefly. It is Rain and Resin. That is her. You can find her on Instagram at rain and resin that's rain with two n's and her website is rainandresin.com her info is in the show notes as well so without further ado let's jump on into this episode and let's get it thanks so much rebecca for being on the well and witchy podcast i'm so excited to talk to you again um how how was your holiday was it good i know it's 2021 it's a weird weird year start (laughs) you know it's it's not that long ago and it feels like forever ago you know like the first week into January I'm like how are we seven days into this year it felt felt like we should be three months into the year so yes if I cast my mind back a whole couple of weeks um, <laughs> it you know have had a really nice time very quiet um but but that was very welcomed as well so yeah good good I'm glad to hear it um, so for our listeners, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your craft and your journey. Wow, there is a, there's a thing, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm Rebecca Renewin. I am, I lovingly call myself the head witch at the Witch Academy, um, an area, uh, a membership site that I run <clears throat> where it's all things witchy and wonderful. But really, it's interesting. I grew up in a place called Cornwall in the south coast of the UK and we were just surrounded by like witches and wizards and pirates and mythology it's like steeped you know King Arthur, Tintagel all based very close to where I lived so when I was growing up the whole idea of like witches and archetypes and it was just ingrained in our culture and I didn't really think much of it it's like the woman down the road she identified as a witch my one of my mom's friends she had a conversation with me about being a witch and that was like my first ever weird like air quotes weird energetic experience of when I was like oh there's something more to the world than I can see and I was I don't know between eight or ten um and I didn't really think anything of it it was it was just very much part of my life if if I think about the kind of witch I am I'm very much nature-based you know I grew up in the seaside I've always lived in very like Um, areas surrounded by countryside rather I don't think I've ever lived in a city I've lived in big towns but never a city and um, my my journey then kind of really started at 20 when I became a kinesiologist and it took me down the whole path of energy and people would always say to me oh I always think of you as a witch Rebecca you don't mind that do you and I was like no of course not and I had never really claimed the title of witch but I didn't really think I had to and yet people would always consider me a witch and they'd say things like oh I think of you as a witch oh you don't mind that title do you and like I can't you know it's just like so many people would say that to me that they totally saw me as a witch and I was like no that you know that's fine by me and then um things just evolved and I was like oh I really am a witch <laughs> you know and it, it just like sneaked up on me that when I thought well if you're going to identify as something it's like oh yeah follow all the moons, do magic spells, you know, slight obsession with cauldrons, uh, quite a few magic wands that I've made around. The, I'm just looking around, you know, all the things that I've made. I'm like, oh yeah, no 
wonder people think I'm a witch. And it's like, of course I am. <laughs> so that's my journey wasn't like one day deciding that I was going to be a witch. It was more like just evolving. And the more I claimed of myself, I was like, oh, yeah. In fact, on the wall next to me, I think I have one, two, three, four, five, six pictures of witches, including some that my little son made, you know, there's over there. So it's like I've always been immersed in the idea of of witchery, I suppose. And um, gosh, it must be four or five years ago now. I went down to Glastonbury in the UK to train as a priestess. And the, I'd never really considered priestessing or anything like that. But the 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 goddess that called me, I don't know if you if you work with gods and goddesses, but for me, like bashed over the head, called me, wouldn't leave me alone, called me, was Keridwin, who's the goddess of witches. So there's always been this like theme of like, hello, lady, come on, <laughs> be be a bit more clear about it. And it wasn't that I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't like come out of the broom closet, so to speak. It had just never occurred to me because it was just so naturally who I was if you looked at my bookshelves you know it's all herbs and moons and, you know all of the stuff that people would identify with like the idea of being a witch and then I've had quite a few people say to me because obviously I like a witch is something I, I identify with the priestess is something that I trained in and people often say to me oh priestess like I really like the title priestess and to them it's like the easier air quotes more sanitized version of being in service because it's you know I think if you think of priestesses they are in service to the community whereas a witch could be completely doing it herself for her own reasons and I think that's why people are more comfortable with the title priestess than they are witch if that makes sense so yeah I, I walk in kind of both worlds because I think there is there's a huge amount of similarities but the reason I choose to lead with the title witch it's because I want to know it. I'm a safe space for other people to have that conversation with. Yeah. And it's, I have loads of those, oh my goodness, me too, kind of whispers or messages. Oh my God, my family don't understand. I'm so glad I can have this conversation with you. And I'm, so I want to claim the title witch as a, almost like a signpost for other people to say like, you want to have weird conversations? You're safe to have those conversations with me. You want to talk to dragons? That's fine. You come talk to me. <laughs> you know, you have you you want to talk to your herbs or do spells? That's fine. You're safe to do that with me. And when I, you know, if if I have the title priestess, it just sounds like someone that's gonna you know hold ceremony for you or guide you through a passage rather than have some of the the, the I don't know like the deeper conversations. Maybe not that priestesses don't do that. Of course they do. But it's just like, for me, it's a very different energy. Yeah. Wow. I have so many follow-up questions from that. So first off, you said you're from Cornwall, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. I feel like that's a, a really big parallel to like Salem in the U.S. Because like Salem is a really big witchy town. It's like the witch place of USA just because of in the mm. history, like they were all, you know, like the people came over and colonized and then they like burned all the women in the town because they thought they're witches. Anyway, it's like a big thing now. So that's, that's probably like similar in a way <laughs> I you know I'd never thought of that before but not that I'd want to claim the status that Salem has on right. <laughs> but um I don't know if it's if it's still true but at the time in Cornwall was the only uh, museum of witchcraft that we had in the UK and it was in Cornwall and like I say it's just so it's so steeped in a uh, myth and, you know, probably because it's like this little jut of land sticking out into the Atlantic that there's like two roads to get into the whole of the county of Cornwall. So it is kind of like isolated and it's 
and when I lived in Cornwall you feel so well because I lived in a, a, a seaside town in a fishing village you feel so connected to the seasons without even knowing it's like I knew twice a year that the tide would go out completely that I could walk to the islands twice a year when it had to be like the right time and, you know, and I knew that when it was the wrong time we would flood as a village and it's just like so the, the movement of the tides and the position of the moon was, was just what people just kind of knew but without probably knowing it's like you know there would be measures measures taken to make sure the boat stayed in the harbour rather than like coming up onto the quayside when the when there was a full moon and it was a spring tide and I think you just get used to living and in particular in Cornwall because it juts out into the Atlantic you get a lot of wild weather and I think you're very humbled by nature when you're you know when you're in a city of course you still get weather but it's it's fairly protected and sheltered and you can like dart from one place to the next but if you're on the coastal cliff path of Cornwall and the, the storms crashing in you're getting battered you know and so I think there's a real <clears throat> there's a real humility in growing up well, there was for me for sure growing up in in a place that you're so connected to the to the elements yeah I I was in London in 2017 I was in London for three months and that was a regret I have was like I wanted to go to Cornwall but I just like didn't have the time in my schedule but yeah. I did go I went to Beachy Head which is super fun like the Seven Sisters Cliffs I hiked mm -hmm. them all by myself and that that in itself was like a mystical moment for me just being mm -hmm. able to like look out the ocean and like see the cliffs I was like whoa like I'm I don't know why I had some type of spiritual vibe there <laughs> it was nice yeah. it I always I always find that around the sea myself and I can remember being like an angst teenager and I'd be like you know furious at the world or whatever you know annoyed at my parents and I would walk where I lived there was like the the main beach which is where everyone went because it was really pretty with golden sand and you know you can go and get an ice cream there but if you walked a little bit further you'd go up over like a little steps and down the other side and we'd call it the second beach because obviously it was second but it was all pebbles and rocky and people didn't really like going there because it wasn't you know, you couldn't sunbathe there as well as you could on the main beach. But I'd go and sit on in amongst all the pebbles and stick myself on a rock. And I would just look out to sea. And there I am, my angst teenage self. And I'd just say to myself, oh, I wonder how many times I could get to the horizon. You know, and I'd be like, oh, that's quite a few times, isn't it? <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, I wonder how many times I could go up to the sky. Because you, you can't see anything but sea, you know, for as far as you can see. And then I'd be like, okay, so that's one line out, one line up. I just wonder how far down I could go. I wonder how many me's I could get going down. And I'd by then, whatever was annoying me was in such a different perspective. Cause I'm like, that's like three lines so far. And I've got like the whole horizon to go as well. And so whatever was bothering me just suddenly just didn't seem to matter. I mean, I'd probably still be a bit, you know, moody teenager, but it wouldn't have the same impact on me. I, I would literally go home a different person. And of course with that, you've got like the, the rhythmic um, tide like ebbing and flowing so you know there's always that part as well but I would I would always go home a different person yeah, so, yeah when you're looking out to sea for me it really is like that perspective shaping and especially like you say the white the sisters it's mm. stunning white against the sea mm. yeah and I, I feel like too, like the ocean has healing properties. I also feel that same way when I'm in the woods, like mm -hmm. Tennessee has a lot of beautiful like hills and like foot trails that you can climb. And there are moments where like, I'll just go out and I'll sit down in a path that seems pretty cleared out or 
and I'll just like meditate and think of all the things bothering me and like the rustling of the trees and the wind Mm. and then like some of the creeks that we have just like bring that same meditational effect as like being in the ocean so I I love that yeah Yeah. when I left Cornwall because when you when you're a teenager growing up if you ever want to go and do anything you had to travel a long way you had to like travel out of county to do it I mean it's different these days but you know way back then (laughs) quite a few decades ago and um I, I moved to like a big town which actually really wasn't that big at all it just felt big and I never thought I'd get used to not living by the sea because I was like oh you know I'd go back to the sea you know very frequently and actually what I've come to realize is what I actually prefer is trees and I'm not sure whether that's like as I've got older or whether that was just a natural thing but I I can't live without being near trees now yeah I'd still love being by the sea but it's the trees that I need it's the green yeah I feel that um going back to something earlier you mentioned too when you were talking about uh just owning the label of witch I feel like Mm -hmm. I mean, as a fellow witch also, I feel like I have my own feelings as to what that word means. And like, I, I own it and I make it my own. So I'd love to hear like what you what you think of when you hear the word witch. Yeah, I, I've never had negative connotations with the word witch. Yeah. And in fact, I have a six year old boy and we were <laughs> we were playing charades or charades, whatever you want to call it. But like as, as some reason, he loves playing that game. He loves like acting out. And he's like, mommy, I'm one of you. And I'm like, I'm looking at him going, I don't know what he's doing. And I was like, give me a clue. And it turns out he was being a witch. And he was like so full of glee to be like, mommy, I'm being one of you. And we often have arguments in the house about like, who's the head witch? Is it him or me? I mean, he, like I say, like he's six. Um, so obviously I'm the head witch. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, one day I'm going to have, he's going to come back home and understand that maybe witch isn't the positive term that he understands. And I'm like, I don't know how to have that conversation yet. I mean, obviously, for me, it's not it's not like a huge onerous conversation, but I am waiting for him to realise that maybe not everyone has a house full of cauldrons like we do. But I'm just like, you know, it's a saucepan. It's all good. We just create magic. And yet we, we do live in a very rural area where it's because it's farming based. Obviously, people follow the seasons and the cycles. They might not outwardly claim to be witches but they still honour the seasons. They might call them different names, but you know they know when the equinoxes are, they know when the solstices are. Obviously they know when other things are going on too. So I, I don't mind that. But for me, the word witch, I, I, I love the word witch. I think it's a very powerful word witch. And I think for me, a witch, I, for me, the witch started as a wise woman. You know, she was like the ultimate wise woman, the woman that, that had the knowledge, the, the woman that like lived by the seasons and the cycles, the woman that wasn't afraid of um, end, the endings of cycles. So for me, it's always been about a woman that really works with the cycles to know that it's not just like go, 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 but to honour the rest. And it's not just like youth, youth, youth and living that actually things die and, and things change and transform. So that was always like when I was younger, my understanding of, of a witch And then, of course, you start looking back at the fairy tales and the stories that we that well, I in particular grew up with. I'm glad to see that they are changing. And the idea of a witch, it was like the evil stepmom, you know, archetypes so powerful. I used to be the stepmom and whenever I introduced myself, I was like, oh, but not not the evil kind. You know, it's just like, of course, I wasn't an evil stepmom, but it was just like so ingrained in like who we are. 
And I got to thinking about like the evil stepmom, the wicked witch, and the, the women that we vilified in history, in, like in stories, were the women that knew what they wanted. Yes, okay, the evil stepmother wanted wanted the princess's beauty maybe that's not such a great thing to go after but she still knew what she wanted the wise woman was beholden to no one she lived by herself in her cottage doing what she wanted she was vilified and so then it started to dawn on me that actually these women that have been vilified were powerful women even in and of themselves the queen and the witch weren't powerful because they were married to the right person or because you know, of some social status given to them. And if you look at most statuses given to a woman, she's a daughter, her relationship to her mum. She's a mother, her relationship to her child. She's a wife, her relationship to, uh, to you know, another person. And then we've got witch. <laughs> and it's like, she's a witch because there is no relational energy to anybody else. She's a woman in her own power. And so for me, it went from being like that wise woman into the energy of being a woman empowered and a woman embodied, a woman who knows what she wants, who is not afraid to set boundaries, which may mean saying yes, and it may mean saying no, but on her own terms. And it's a woman that doesn't look to other people to lift her up. Now, I'm not saying it's you're not allowed to do that. Of course you are. But it's a woman that doesn't need recognition or, uh, or at least working towards not needing recognition or status from other people or um like the idea of validation from others it's like she can have it from within does that yeah, make sense that makes total sense yeah. um i actually was talking to a friend a few weeks ago about like the true embodiment of self-love and it's crazy how that aligns with like your your personification of witches because it's like mm. i can't I can't look to other people for fulfillment. I can't look to other people for my power. I mean, it's great to have a support system and friends and family, like that's amazing. But I have to be in my energy and on my own to be able to understand my step, you know, where I am. So when other people come along, like how do they influence my energies? You know, like, sorry, that was just like a, a, a sidebar I had thought of when you are speaking. No, but, but it's totally true. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you just got me thinking then, it is about, managing our own energy and yes we can have a support system but if we're looking outside of ourselves, it's reliant on that other person and then we step into the energy of codependent relationships whereas sure have the other person support you but don't be leaning on them now of course in that there are times in need when we do need to lean on other people i'm not saying never ever do that but as we build ourselves back up from whatever we're recovering from or whatever we're going through, it's like it needs to be that we're resilient and can stand by ourselves. And that is the ultimate self-care, because the only things that we actually have control over in our whole world are our actions and our minds. We can't be looking to someone else to make us happy or to make someone else to make us fulfilled or someone else to always have the answers, because the second that person is not there, what are we left with? We're left with like emptiness within us and we don't know how to fill that up. Mm -hmm. yeah and I feel like too I mean I know we've been talking about it but like you don't have to I don't know I don't know how to explain this but like I feel like sometimes especially on social media I I feel a pressure as a fellow witch to to always be on my shit my <laughs> language but like I see witches all the time who seem like they have their stuff together so like in instances where maybe you aren't feeling in your energy or you're not feeling put together like 
that's okay. I feel like that's the messaging we need to put out there is like, it's not rainbows and butterflies and love and light all the time. Like you can go through your moments and you don't have to do it alone, but there should be moments where you are like, okay, self-assessing, like where, how am I feeling truly? Am I speaking with the source? Am I journaling? Am I meditating on this? Like, what are you doing for yourself to put yourself above? Mm. And I think sometimes like people think they have to go at it all alone. You don't, but there are elements where you do have to do some work yourself is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And that goes back to like, you asked me what the idea of a witch was. And I was like, it's the woman that can work with cycles, you mm. know, part of that. And it's like, you said, oh, it's not all love or light. And I was like, definitely not on the witch path. It's a lot of, you know, darkness in the cauldron. It's a lot of like soul searching. It's a lot of breaking those codependent ties you have with other people that you have with substances that you have with society as a whole to go actually what is true to me how do I want to show up am I a bad witch because I didn't honor this as battle stuff out well absolutely not and you know (laughs) there was a meme I saw somewhere and it was it, it said something like if if you're just starting out it's like oh all the candles getting the 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 time of the the moon right and doing it all perfectly in this huge thing and then like when you've been a witch for a while it's like oh chuck some dirt and I've got a crystal in my pocket that'll be fine and then when you when you're an an older witch you just kind of tell things just to poke off it's just like oh just you know get out of my hair and you know it's all about boundaries and none is better than the other but it is about I think the whole journey for me of being a witch is about knowing yourself deeply And sometimes you might be on and doing high magic and sometimes you might be lucky if you remember to like stay a cup of tea or something, you know, it's, but it's, but it's really about honoring you. And sometimes that is like you say, love and light. And sometimes it's darkness and shadows, but we need both to create a world. We have both within us and it's unhealthy. I think to be all of one or all of the other. Okay, I gotta say it. There is some major power in wearing jewelry fueled with power, good vibes, and authentic craftswomanship. Today's Well and Witchy episode is sponsored by Rain and Resin. You know I love to host spiritual and witchy businesses on the pod, but I wanted to start highlighting some small shops and creators too. Rain and Resin is a small jewelry making side business started by my new friend Hannah to help her small family live a better life and give her a creative outlet. Everything is created by hand, inspired by nature, and influenced by passion. One thing I love about Hannah and Rain and Resin is that she does custom orders, so if you're looking for something truly one of a kind, she's got you. I'm currently sporting a small spell jar necklace filled with Russian sage, African violet, snow and summer jasmine, and cedar. I also have a resin pendant filled with lapis lazuli, silver sparkle, and an ethically sourced wasp. My third piece is a round resin pendant with rose quartz chips and silver sparkle. I'm obsessed with each piece and incredibly grateful for receiving this from Rain and Resin. I can feel the power when I wear them, truly. Check out Rain and Resin by following her at Rain and Resin, that's Rain with two N's, and Resin, for Instagram and TikTok, and her website is www.rainwith2ndsandresin.com. Of course, check out all the show notes for more information, but if you're looking for some powerful, handmade, truly one-of-a-kind pieces, Rain and Resin is the place to go. So let's go ahead and dive back into today's episode. Yeah. 
that brings up another question then. So what would you say is like the best advice for people? I mean, there's the term baby witches, but just people who are feeling like they should be on this path or aren't sure where to start. Um, Cause you mentioned like the candles and the herbs and everything, but we're, we're on a chat about inner work. So I feel like that may fall somewhere else too. I think one of the most important things, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? We're living in a world right now where titles are important, you know, and their identities. So yes, they can be important, but equally you don't have to have a title. It's enough for you to know that you're on your own path. And I think, especially if you're very new to this, the world of witchery is enormous. And it's like, of course you don't know which, which path you want to go down because you've not had a chance to explore. Having said that, there will be some people that just know, it's like, you know, some people when they're young, they just know they want to be an architect from like the age of six. And most people kind of get to college and they're still like, I don't really know what I want to do. I'll just go down this path. I think it's very similar when you step into any kind of role, but particularly something like witchcraft or witches because you don't have to know. And what I would say is follow your curiosity. Where, where are you curious? Maybe you have an, you know, an affinity for the plants and the herbs. Maybe you love setting things on fire. <laughs> it's like, oh, hello, candle magic. <laughs> Might be a good way to channel that. Maybe you've always like gazed at the, the leaves on the trees or the clouds in the sky and they've given you messages. Follow the curiosity. All of those are very valid paths into witchcraft. And it might be that you want to give yourself the title of witch and then be, oh, I'm a divination witch or an intuitive witch or a nature witch or a hedge witch. Or again, we seem obsessed by this idea of titles. Whereas I'm, I would call myself most definitely, if I had to give myself a title, it would definitely be eclectic. <laughs> it's like, oh, what do I feel like today? Um, but anyone just starting out yeah but anyone just starting out I'd be like follow your curiosity you don't need all the tools you don't you know most people have got a tea, tea light in their house somewhere it's like you don't even need to go and buy that much birthday leftover birthday candles they'll work perfectly too so I'm much more from the the practical side and there's certainly no dogma in the witchcraft I do or I teach it's like you make this work for you because I personally believe here's my dogma um, <laughs> this is the way I say it's done um that it's about honoring our own energy honoring our own interests and our own our own curiosities and passions so my even though I teach and so for example Every Sabbat, we hold a, I call us crafty witches on the Sabbats because we do a craft workshop. And um, the last one we did, we were making um, eye masks because I was like, oh, we're stepping into the darkness and make some eye masks and like do meditations with our eye masks. And so I gave everybody the same instructions. And yet what everyone came back with was their interpretation of an eye mask. Some had herbs in there, some had like round eye masks, some had like uh, rectangle ones some had put them in pouches some had put charms on sigils it was all so different and I think for me that's the one of the important things for me about witchcraft is finding your own self-expression it's not a and, and I suppose with that it's like when we like making those it's very powerful because they're personal to us but also like when you do spells, yes, it's great to have a spell to follow if you've never done one before. It's so, I, my, my experience is it's so much more potent when we make it our own. Maybe a word doesn't resonate. Maybe for me, passion and power isn't red, but it's blue. 
it's not but you know it could be and it's like we'll swap out things for things that are your colors for passion power passion and power bring in your words evoke your deities your you know use whatever it is around you it's like i love working with like stones and twigs nothing sexy about that you know just stones and twigs i can find in my garden but i feel connected to them because they're of my land i mean don't get me wrong i do have a bit of a rock issue <laughs> for like the pretty shiny ones but i think it's really powerful to use things of your own land so yeah. like when you're looking at like herbs and things it's like what do you have native to your 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 garden maybe your community your county your your um country because i feel that you you have that language already around you and yeah. so that's what i would say it's like follow the curiosities and make things your own you have to all well, don't have to i think you have to honor your own path in this mm -hmm. and i think too like from one witch to another one podcaster to another like we are doing the best thing we can do for the baby witches because like being able to share our stories and like put a, our perspectives out there so people can listen in and understand that and do the curiosity and do the digging like you mentioned because people don't know unless they hear it and especially now COVID like what better time to tell our stories and I know that can be scary too like some people still fear you know being out about you know out of the broom closet and fear for their lives even depending on where you're from like I can't tell my neighbors that I'm a witch they'd freak out and start you know rioting or something just because we're deep deep in the south <laughs> but mm. I think we do have a duty you know to tell our stories as best as we can to help uplift those who are learning and waking up so. See, you're so nice. My neighbours were annoying me, and I was threatening to get my cauldron out, and burn some stuff, and start chanting. So, <laughs> oh, well, did, uh, I was going to go full hat and cape too. By, I had a word of myself and calmed myself down a different way. But I was like, really? <laughs> no, no, on New Year's Eve, like right to midnight, we had a we we do a. I don't, I don't know if it'd be a ritual more of like a tradition but we take our mm -hmm. Christmas tree outside and we burn it in the front yard and have like a an end of Yule bonfire to the gods and we do yeah. our tributes but my my partner Thomas he, I bought him for his birthday like a Viking war horn so right at midnight he blew the horn with a trumpet mouthpiece on the end and the whole valley I live in like the little hollow just like erupted with the horn all the dogs started barking my neighbors came outside and were like what the f and I'm just like literally dancing around this fire in my yard and it was probably the most badass thing I've done in a while <laughs> I love that you spoke up the whole neighborhood that's pretty cool you were definitely invoking the gods then weren't you I like, really yeah we'll take a bit of battle energy right now <laughs> yeah, really though. but um because my my partner is Norse pagan so I mean we we're dealing with that whole other topic of discussion because of like with the capital riots in the U.S. and just like white supremacy mm -hmm. but heathens against hate or hashtagging in here um but what I was going to mention was I I honor some of the Norse goddesses like Freya and mm. um but you mentioned earlier the goddess that you were called to the goddess of Caridwin. yeah oh sorry my little calendar see thing. I told you she's just she always makes an entrance and she's like yes that's me hear me ping so I love that because it was notifying me about my birthday tomorrow anyway oh, um, happy birthday for you tomorrow and yay. mine's on Friday happy birthday yeah, Capricorn Aquarius people yeah <laughs> um but what I was going to ask about was just like I I've never heard of her before and that's probably my own ignorance but I didn't know no. if you hear a little bit more about her because she seems wicked <laughs> <laughs> she she is wicked um she is often depicted as a crone goddess um and it's like an evil baby killer 
which is a little bit, little bit harsh, I feel, but you know, that's what happened to women back then. Um, but she is a Welsh goddess. She's a lady of the lake and she's actually a mother. Her whole tale is about her two children. So she has a beautiful, fair daughter and then she gives birth to this really ugly child. And so she, she's like, oh my God, my child, I need to look after him. He can't survive if he's really this ugly. And so she has this, the whole story about her is that she gets her cauldron because she's the keeper of the cauldron. And she brews this potion for a year and a day. And she has an old blind man stirring the pots and a, a, a young boy who is also stirring it. And she knows that the moons and the herbs and like even in the story, the the other like wise men, they know that she knows her stuff, you know, so she's very revered even in the story. And so on the day when the moon is correct and it's like a year and a day, she knows this, just a drop of this potion she's going to give her son and he's going to become beautiful. Except what happens is the cauldron cracks and three drops of potion, the Arwen, land on the young boy and suddenly he's given the sight of the prophecy of language he's just given all of the gifts that she was going to give her child she knows you know she she's like there's, there's a change in the matrix so she's she knows something's happened and he's like has the gift of foresight now and he's like shit <laughs> she's going to be after me so you have this this fight through like if you look at the celtic they do air land and sea and so, you know, he turns into like a fish and she turns into an otter bitch. And then, you know, they have this whole fight on air, land and sea. And eventually he turns into a seed and she turns into a hen and she eats him. She eats the seed. And then she gives birth to this child who is Taylorson, which is, I don't know if you've ever heard of Taylorson, but he's like the poet and of, of all of like the, the greatest poet that's ever lived and um, his name translates as the shining brow so she gives birth to this child and she was going to kill him because he's taken everything away from her son but instead she wraps him up in a uh, is it called a coracle and sends him down river and then he's rescued by a prince and um, his wife and then grows up to be Taylorson, which is like the, the leader of the bards in any of the Avalonian traditions so she's considered a baby killer because she was going to kill the child but of course she never did and then you know if you think about a child being wrapped up and sent down the river you're like oh Moses um, so, but you know <laughs> these stories were first and so that that's her story so she's keeper of the cauldron she's like the queen of the witches but she's often she's often um she's often depicted as like the crone and the evil woman but actually her whole story is about motherhood it's about her love for her children and what she would do for her children so yeah, that's that's Caridwen. She's a she's a Celtic, a, a Welsh goddess. Wow. No, I I feel like I'm only focused on the Norse pantheon, but I just love learning about other gods and goddesses because mm. it's crazy how some of the messaging, like no matter what culture, like kind of crosses over into different names for different goddesses who oh, kind of. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, but I feel too like not every witch has to do deity work. That's okay. Yep have to um but what are some ways that you honor her that if you're curious to know yeah so I absolutely agree and I was never interested in working with gods and goddesses and then one day she showed up and then she wouldn't leave me alone and I was like who is this who is this witch and um I was like looking into and I was like oh and then I ha happened air quotes to come across training and I was like okay this is what we're doing then and so she called me 
So actually I have a statue of her on my desk and I talk to her every day. So every time I'm working with the energy of cauldrons, I, I work with her. I call in the directions. That's my priestess training to connect with her. I ask her what we're doing whenever I do I'm like journaling. I'm like, Caradon, what do you want me to know when I'm doing oracle readings? Like, okay, okay Caradon, what's the card for me right now? So I have, I have portraits of her or pictures of her around my home. All my cauldrons are dedicated to her. I speak to her all the time. Like I say, she sits on my desk and she's a very, in my experience, she's a very bossy goddess. She's, and I think a lot of the Celtic goddesses are. Sometimes people think goddesses are like, like light and fluffy and I'm sure some of them are but none of those want to work with me I get the ones like bash me over the head and like you know you she I always think have you ever seen Seinfeld with Kramer and he can't work through walk through a door properly every time he comes through a door there's an entrance oh yeah that's the energy she has for me <laughs> because <laughs> she just seems to always be there and it's like you mentioned her name and your phone dinged and it's like oh how did that happen I bet you're saying I bet your phone was even on silent but she just kind of has that presence around me and I'm like I couldn't ignore her if I tried she'd be like her home lady <laughs> tap 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 and I'm sure obviously lots of people would work with her very differently but for me she shows up as a let's go lady let's do it I'm like okay <laughs> so yeah. yeah and it was what was really interesting for me is when I um so when I did my training, after the first year, you dedicate as a sister of Caradwin. And after the second year, you become a priestess of Caradwin. And so we were dedicating on the shores of Lake Bala, which is where her myth is in Wales. There's this beautiful lake called Lake Bala, and that's that's her her lake. And I'd, I had this um, like resin goddess statue. It's about this big. And it was dedicated to Caradwin. It had like a little um, silver chain around it and it had a cauldron on it. And I, I brought it from somewhere over, um, in America. And it like posted over to the UK. It had traveled everywhere with me, up and down to Glastonbury all the time, in and out my pockets, on, on the altar. It had been everywhere. Every time I was doing devotional work, she would be there. On the day that we dedicated as a sister, I went into this grove and that's where we went individually to dedicate as a sister and we did everything we went to do when I got home that night I took her out of my pocket and her belt had broken and I was like oh my god she's just spilt the cauldron after a year and a day's training and I was like okay Caradwen I'm listening so I have a lot of that kind of work with her and it's like of all the times that she'd been in my pocket in and out up and down that chain had never broken and on the day I dedicated as a sister I got home and the the chain had broken and the cauldron had broken loose in my pocket wow. like, okay I still have the broken chain in the cauldron just to remind me that is yeah. that is so mind-blowing because I feel like I, I mean I've had my own instances also but never mm. never that big and I think it's just a matter of time it's really like no <laughs> is it even the right person working because I think people hear like they hear a goddess or the, I feel like there's always the big ones like Hecate and Aphrodite and and Freya and you know all of, and Persephone even like so many that people just like flock to but then yeah. in reality it's like maybe they aren't the best for you and like your person is coming like whoever that is like you need to be open to all of the signs I don't know it, it was like the first time I realized I was like okay I'm listening it's like I had I had come across Caradwin. I don't really understand. I, I couldn't even tell you how, but she presented herself to me. And then I was reading a book, um, If Women Rose Rooted by Sharon Blackie. Brilliant book. And she was in there. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to be in there. And then I had my birthday, as we said, when it's in January. And my birthday came and went. And then like six weeks later, I received a birthday present from a friend saying, sorry, it was late. 
I'd never expect a present even from this person. And what she had sent me was a bath bomb from a company called Lush. And you know, a bath bomb, you, know, you stick it in the bath, it goes fizzy. But it was called Caridwin's Cauldron. And I was like, okay, I'm listening. So yeah, then I booked onto the, the training course. And I was like, okay, you have me. She's claimed me. Yes. Yeah. That, that's awesome. I'm, I I want to do some more research on her because she just sounds in, just intense. I don't know. <laughs> um, intense is a good word, but she's also the loving mother. Yeah. Yeah. Question. Um, what are your thoughts on honoring a, a god or goddess that you might not be from that culture like mm-hmm. I ask I did ancestry DNA kit that I got for Christmas and I'm waiting for my results to come back because while I do love the Norse gods and goddesses and their stories like I don't know if I'm actually Norse or not I know I'm German mm-hmm. I know I come from you know x y and z parts of my family but I've always been curious if like how how do you feel I think it depends on the culture mm-hmm. and I think it depends on the history of that culture um, so, for example, Caradwyn is a Celtic goddess. I happen to live five minutes from Wales. Sorry, she's a Welsh goddess. I live five minutes from Wales. I have no issue saying that she's a goddess that I work with. If mm. I lived in America, I would have no issue saying that she was a goddess that I worked with. Um, if it was a culture that had really been, air quotes, persecuted, and I'm air quote, quoting because obviously Celts were persecuted too, but I mean like in a modern history, I would possibly be more sensitive to claiming that I was working with like Spider Woman or, you know, some other person because actually that's that's very much in our lifetime. But po- I always think like Europe was so tall, small, whether it's Norse, whether it's German, whether it's Celtic, it's like we came across from like Eurasia and across you know so there's a lot of um like um Asian Indian influence as as the the clans came across Europe over towards the the UK and then over to Ireland it's like it came across that way so there's a lot of very similar influences in like Europe as you would consider I suppose I still consider myself part of Europe which you know technically we are but um (laughs) But I think it's maybe, I think when you turn up to work with any goddess or god, any kind of deity, it always demands respect anyway, regardless of where you come from. Mm -hmm. Am I upset if somebody who isn't Celtic or uh, Welsh, I'm not Welsh, um, works with Caradwyn? Of course not. That, That wouldn't offend me. Um, not that I speak for everyone, but but also in the people that I know, I, it probably wouldn't offend them either because there's not the same kind of cultural history that we're that we're aware of in our modern day about the same kind of thing. So I think as long as you you do that with reverence and you're mindful of where that information is coming from, but I also believe we've probably lived everywhere anyway. You know, for my own personal beliefs, it's like you know I might have lived anywhere in the world before. I just happen to have been born right now in somewhere in the UK in a very Celtic influenced area and so how that's expressing for me right now is through the goddess of Caradwyn when I come back on my next adventure who knows where I'll be or how I'll reincarnate and who I'll be called to if I'm called to anyone then so I think to answer your question it's always about being mindful of the culture being mindful of what they've gone through and what they're currently going through and as, you know, just treading sensitively, which I think when you do your own inner work, you can't help but do that anyway. Yeah, I love that. I love that. 
Um, and then I'm trying to think, oh, you mentioned earlier on about being head witch at the Witch Academy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And you said it was a membership thing. So yeah. um not sure if that's something you want to plug, but like, tell us about that. That sounds really interesting. Well, it started years ago when I was doing some other work and I did a six week summer school, summer school, and I dubbed it um, Sh- uh, Shiro Summer School because I wanted women to be like the heroes of their own life and get rid of that, that male focused stuff. And yeah. I was like, and in brackets, I'd put think Hogwarts, but for Shiro's. Right. And so for six weeks, we would do defense against the dark arts. We'd do potions, we'd do charms and lots of other things, obviously with a very like modern twist. And that was always my, I think I ran that for five years. It was always my most favorite class to run. It's like this six week summer school. And someone said to me once they went, they asked me what I did for a job. Like, um, I'm always like, I don't know. I've been doing it for like 20 odd years. Mainly I'm a kinesiologist. Um, but I've always had membership sites and I've always been teaching energetics and like magical stuff. And someone said, it sounds like you make witches. And I went, what? And she went, you make witches. And I was like, I don't make witches, no. Anyway, I went back to my, my I had a different membership group at the time. And I said, I, I make witches. And they were like, yeah, but I wasn't a witch until I met you. And I was like, what do you mean? I've always thought you as a witch. And they're like, oh no, not until I was working with you. And suddenly these women were like, oh no, I never claimed my witches, witchiness until I knew you. And I was like, oh. And so I changed the membership into being the Witch Academy, which is a year and a, a year and a day like program where we start off with the art of being a witch. And we really focus on the energetics, focus on knowing who you are, what's important to you, how you show up. We have a whole thing about breaking the spells. And when I talk about breaking the spells, it's like social conditioning. What's, you know, all of those stories, all of those past patterns, like family, ancestral, clear all of that. I was like, it's like, all clear all that nonsense. I mean, it's not nonsense, but you know, it's just like, let's get rid of it so we can stand in our own energy. And then we do lots of spell work with every Sabbat and every new moon and full moon. And we do, we do loads of stuff, but it's a really gentle process so that at the end of it, you've, you've, had a go at trying and testing everything whilst you know whether it's like candle magic or not magic or working with the seasons or do, you know doing spells on your own and so we just do do the whole thing so after a year and a day you have a really good grounding in your own type of witch witchiness so yeah that's that's my claim of being like that someone said in a testimonial once they were like she's the best um priestessy witchy headmistress anyone could ever (laughs) want and I was like I'm claiming that title so so yeah now I'm like the head witch at the witch academy so it's a very it's a very practical place to be to explore with no dogma apart from the dogma of do it your own way (laughs) find your own path Rebecca you're the HBIC (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know what that is Oh, it means, uh, well, I guess it'd be HWIC, but like, it's always a term I use where it's like head bitch in charge. Like, can't, I'm, <laughs> top, I'm doing this, but like, you could change it to a W and be like head witch in charge. Like, yeah, that's hey. me. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> take it. It means all good things. <laughs> yeah. So make a little note to self, add it to my bio. <laughs> now that I know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> plate that just has, you sits on your desk. Like, I love yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and oh do you know guess guess who just chimed in carol wins like her, her, no i'm like okay 
she can be the one in charge I'm yeah. just you know the next one the deputy head maybe <laughs> all right all right we got to respect it's fine yeah, she, she's very much like that I'm like mm, okay lady <laughs> she's like hey uh reassess that please she's like hum. I'm like yes okay uh, yeah <laughs> well um anything this is one like so we're kind of winding down anything else that you want to mention anything that you're working on currently that's exciting and you want to share oh actually I do I just released a book this week actually called charm casting for people that wanted to work with charms which I slightly obsessed by I would, I would pick up my charm box to show you but it would make such a noise next to my microphone oh. I've got like 700 like charms and I just love working with charms but m- more I guess more excitingly for me, I mean, I'm slightly obsessed by charms. You just have to look at my Insta feed to notice that. Yeah, I was going to say I saw and like there's like boxes of charms and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm obsessed. (laughs) Obsessed is a very good word. But um, I have another book that's in the final stages of editing, which hopefully should be out February time um, called Ditch the Doubt. And it's like the modern witchcraft, um, the modern witch way to removing doubt so that you can really trust your decisions every time and the way that we do that is through the energetics it's all about coming home to ourselves so I've taken everything that I've been teaching for like 20 years in the energy of energetics so that we can come back to center and make those decisions so people that are taking three steps I want to be this kind of witch oh maybe I shouldn't maybe I should do this or I want to make do this with my life oh but I'm not sure and they keep reeling it back it's like this is the book for them so that's the one I'm most excited about I started off and it was like a 5,000 word booklet. And by the time I'd actually written it, it's I think it's up to like 25 or 26,000 words. So clearly I had to lo- a lot to say, <laughs> but yeah. it's really, really practical. There's two, pra- two main practices in there that you can do, which, you know, reading it will probably take a few minutes, but you can actually do them in, in literally one or two minutes and it, it will change everything for people to really help them come back to center and find their own truth. That is yeah. so necessary. I'm excited for that, honestly. I'm, I'm gonna like that I'm gonna eat that up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll keep you posted. Amazing. And I'll make sure to like, I mean, granted, this this is a podcast episode that will ultimately live forever. So even when it does come out, I'll make sure to update the show notes. So if you're <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. You know what I mean. <laughs> awesome. Well, I I'm so excited, you know, for this conversation we had today. I'm so glad that we got to reconnect and I thank you so much for being on the podcast today well thank you very much for having me thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode if you loved what you heard smash that subscribe button and please be sure to rate and review on iTunes to help further educate and elevate our fellow witches If you need a little extra magic in your life, I invite you to connect with me on Instagram at wellandwitchy and check out my website, wellandwitchy.com. Remember, witches, you are limitless. You are powerful and you create your reality by your divine design. Now go out there and make some magic happen. And until next time, be well, be witchy.